Hi, my name is Nicole Brooks, and today's leadership quote is, apologizing is a strength, not a weakness. The Leader Assistant Podcast exists to encourage and challenge assistants to become confident, game-changing leader assistants. With so much on your plate, wouldn't it be nice if ordering food for the office were easy and reliable? My friends at Easy Cater are workplace catering pros helping you find food for everything from daily employee meals to staff meetings and special events. With Easy Cater's network of over 100,000 restaurants nationwide, you'll have a huge variety of options near you for any group size, dietary need, or budget. Your food arrives on time, as ordered, all supported 24-7 by Easy Cater's team of experts. Visit easycater.com slash leader assistant to find out more. Again, that's easycater.com slash leader assistant. Hey friends, welcome to the Leader Assistant Podcast. It's episode 206. You can check out the show notes at leaderassistant.com slash 206 leaderassistant.com slash 206 for uh, links and resources related to this episode. And speaking of this episode, I'm excited to be speaking with Nicole Brooks. Nicole is Administrative Operations Manager at Aon. Is that right, Nicole? Yes, that's correct. Awesome. Well, welcome. Glad to have you on the show. What part of the world are you in? So I'm located in Atlanta, Georgia. Nice. And are you from Georgia? Are you uh, a transplant from somewhere else? I am a transplant. I uh, was born in the U.S. Virgin Islands um, from St. Thomas. So I've been there for, well, forever. I moved here in 2005. Okay, great. And what did you move to Atlanta for? I actually moved for just better opportunities. Um, Just wanted to kind of explore more. I always wanted to move. I was originally thinking about moving to Florida um, before then. And then I decided, came and I visited some friends here. And then um, she kind of was like, I think you should come here. I think you'll be great. And um, I was like, well, I don't know. And she's like, come on. And it kind of reminds me of home too, having like the trees and all that good stuff. So I just, you know, opted to come here. And so I've been here ever since. Awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, tell us a little bit about... Uh before we jump into your professional career, personally, like, do you have a dog, a cat, uh, both? Do you have kids? What's your What's your favorite uh, band or book or hobby? All, all those things. All those good things. So um, I have two girls. Um, two girls for 28 and 26. I have to pause sometimes uh, with that. We all make birthday in the same month too. That's another thing, which is oh, weird. Nice. Um, like like literally two days apart from each other. Wow. Um, yeah. That's and a party so, week. Um, it is. Um, and I never really got to spend a birthday when they were younger of my own because I always was planning for theirs, you know, kids in school. So that's what I did. But um, But it's great to be able to celebrate all at once at least. Um, so I don't have any um, pets of my own, but my daughter has a dog. Her name is Storm. And um, as far as for hobbies, I love reading. I love spending time with family. 
And um, if I had another life, I guess, but hopefully that will be soon. I will be traveling more because I mm. do love traveling and seeing family. So that's something that I do love. As far as favorite books, uh, I just finished reading a book. It's about the five dysfunctions of, of a team, I think is what's the name of it. And um, Patrick Lencioni. That's it. That's who it yeah. is. Yes. So um, I just finished reading that book and I thought that was really um, a good read. Um, I think for anyone who, who's, uh, especially if you're, you know, going to be a manager or just even just a part of a team is to see the dynamics of it. So I thought that was pretty good. So that's the last book that I read. Nice. Awesome. Well, yeah, we're, uh, again, we're excited to have you on the show. Um, thanks for kind of reaching out to me on LinkedIn and, being courageous and taking a risk and saying, Hey, I, I'll be on the show. I'm really, really excited to chat with you. I am as well. It was very exciting to see that. I was wondering if I should, and I was like, Oh no, I think I'm going to do it. Cause really love to speak with Jeremy. Cause I've been following you for a little bit. So nice. this is great. Nice. Cool. Well, let's talk about your career a little bit. So you've got uh, several years of experience in the administrative professional looks like public, private, manufacturing, nonprofit sectors, um, currently partner with executive assistants as well, uh, who provide complex and varied support to all levels of leadership. So how did you get into the assistant world? And then tell us a little bit about your journey and uh, now your title is administrative operations manager. So yeah, tell us a little bit about how you got into the world what you like about it and then how you ended up uh, and do you, do you lead a team right now? Is that right? Uh, Yes, I do. I lead a team of six. Yeah. Okay, great. So we'll get into that part as well, but yeah, kind of give us a little bit of the history of your journey as an assistant. So when I started, so the funny thing is, is that I remember being like about maybe like six or seven on my grandmother's porch, sitting with my little table with a dictionary or something was a thick book. And I had like a pad or a paper or copy book or something, you know, and um, and I was right. I was pretending as if though I was taking notes. It was weird, but it was between being a teacher, which I think most kids kind of fall into when they're that young. Um, and then I, you know, thought about being like support, like being an assistant. I didn't know anything about assistant, but I, that's what I was mimicking or doing. So fast forward to uh, my first job out of high school, I worked at this uh, finance institution and uh, that was, it was fine for five weeks. (laughs) I lasted literally five weeks uh, (laughs) working there because um, I didn't like it. I really did not like it. So let's stay there for a little bit. It was a little bit of a toxic situation situation as well. So I ended up leaving there and then got my next job, like about maybe a month and a half later, I worked as a clerk at the public housing authority there. And from there, I moved on to um, promoted. I I was promoted to administrative secretary. And I had one of um, an assistant that reported to me. So that was my first time being a supervisor. Uh, That was interesting, but it was good, though. Uh, Then I went on to being a personnel assistant within the same company. So I was there for 15 years. I kind of moved around a little bit there. Then finally in 2005, I moved here to Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I ended up being uh, working as a temp at office team. 
I was there for maybe a few months, then finally became permanent as an office manager at a leasing um, at a leasing company, a leasing development company. And then from there, I went to manufacturing and moved into HR as an HR risk management coordinator. Then from there, I went to being um, a temp again, because that was during around the time of the recession. Mm-hmm. So then I went and worked somewhere else as I would volunteer by my friends here at Salon for a while, kind of running the office, the back office stuff. And then I went on to be a, um, a temp. Then I got hired permanently. I started as an HR specialist, you know, and then moved into permanently as an HR um, in payroll. Didn't like that. Did that for eight years. And then finally, um, fast forward to where I'm at now. I'm now I've moved into being an executive assistant. So that's kind of my journey working in um, nonprofit, public sector, manufacturing, uh, private kind of run the gamut a little bit there, I think. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great career. What, uh, what's been your favorite part about specifically the support administration, administrative role? Are you ready to elevate your career in 2024? I'm Maggie Olson, founder of Nova Chief of Staff Certification the first-of-its-kind online course for aspiring and existing chiefs of staff. With curriculum taken directly from on-the-job responsibilities, Nova's self-paced learning modules provides you with hands-on experience so you can feel competent and confident moving into a chief of staff style role. It's the perfect next step for executive assistants. Head to leaderassistant.com Nova to learn more, grab the syllabus, and enroll today. I think, so I think it's kind of two for one. I love supporting people, I love being like the cheerleader and helping someone get to where they need to go. I really do enjoy seeing how things move on the back end and how I can help to get them there and also be like their cheerleader, you know, because of course, you know, there are times when there's highs and, highs and lows or depending on what the project is. So being able to be there and support them and see it follow through to the end and seeing the success of it or what we learned from it if it failed. Um, and the other thing is um, customer support as far as, you know, I always speak with folks. You know, sometimes I wonder, like, maybe I should have been customer service manager or something. But, (laughs) you know, folks are like, you have such patience, you know. But I think all of my journey that I've had kind of prepared me for where I'm at today. Mm. And for that, I'm very grateful for. So I think just those two things are just being able to be that cheerleader and to offer that wholehearted support for whomever, whether it's uh, external or or internally. Mm. Love it. Awesome. Well, what about, so what about this current role, the current title, administrative operations manager? How did that come about? Was it an organic thing that kind of happened? Was it a clear career path that you had in your, you know, sites for a while and worked your way up to it? What, 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 how did that whole uh, process and uh, promotion play out? So uh, when I started with uh, the company I'm at now, uh, I started as actually a contractor um, in 2017, like late 2017. And then I became permanent, you know, in, in April of the following year. And 
I never really thought of myself as a leader that way, but it always seems that most roles that I do get, I find where I'm kind of thrown in to something. Um, and not to say that was the case here, but I always end up where I'm always interested in being the unofficial mentor to someone uh, because mm-hmm. I just love to help. You know, I want to see people succeed. And I was thinking about, for me, this is what I would want. For myself, I would want it for someone else. And so I do recall where um, the my now manager, she you know reached out to me and she kind of spoke with me about, said, you know, you want to consider or think about this role? And, and I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for it at this time because I was kind of new to the company. Uh, but the opportunity came uh, in 20... 20, we're in 2023, so let's say 2021 or early 2022, uh, the role became available. And so I decided to pursue it, you know, and um, and that's kind of how I ended up here. I was nervous about it because, you know, you always think that you're not you're not ready for something. You're mm-hmm. actually or you're doing it, but then you're not thinking that you always feel like all oh, everything has to be laid out and it has to be perfect. You know, everything has to be lined up exactly the way. And sometimes, you know, I can be an all or nothing person, Uh, you know, so I didn't think I was ready for it. But um, at least back then in 2019 or 2018, when she spoke with me about, but, you know, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. And if I don't get it, it's fine. It's a learning experience for me. So that's why I treat kind of treat everything like it's a learning experience. Yeah. No matter if it's, I get it or not, or I continue on or not, it's something that I learn and that I can take with me. Awesome. So how, when you, when you did get the role, how many assistants did you were part of your team? So I had, well, I started out with, I think it was four or five. It was five. And then um, one moved on to another team. And then I ended up hiring two new hires um, last year. So I now have six. And there I have two in Atlanta, uh, one in North Carolina, and I have three in Texas. So they're kind of, kind of spread out a little bit. Awesome. And they're great. And they're great. <laughs> they're really yeah, great. That's, that sounds like a fun role and a fun team to work with. What has been maybe the biggest challenge as you now have, I'm assuming you have, are are you direct supervisor or is it kind of like a dotted line thing with their executive and you, or how does the structure work? So I am the, their direct supervisor, but they have dotted lines to like the leadership whom they support sort of. So, um, you know, if they support leaders, they have, it would be kind of dotted line, but I am their direct supervisor. Okay. So what's been your maybe biggest challenge uh, taking on that weight and that burden of managing employees? Mm. I think for me, even going into the role, I was very concerned about relationship building. Mm. Um, I'm very, was very concerned about that and not in a bad way, but I knew that that had to be the foundation if you were able to you know, transition from um, being a peer to being a manager and what that looks like. And, um, and not just that, but how can I be a gr- good manager? How can I advocate for my team? How can I advocate for them collectively and individually? 
So I didn't take it lightly going into the role. I really kind of, uh, you know, sat with that when I was finally going through the process. I kind of questioned, should I be doing this? Would I, you know, but when I did and now that I'm doing it, um, I see where, you know, being that advocate for them, being able to speak for them or having the giving them a voice to speak up for themselves mm-hmm. is very rewarding. But it's also something that you kind of um, you sit with a little bit as far as always trying to think of creative ways of of engaging or um, or making sure that relationship stays solid. You know, that's I think that's one of the, the managing things being a manager is is being able to do that, making sure that the relationship is good. Because I do recall going through the process in the beginning of always thinking about that. How can I keep engaged? How can we, especially being that we're all, you know, most of us are in different spaces. How can we maintain this relationship and build on it? So hmm. that has been something that has always, um, even now, it's not as bad now because I've been in role for almost a year, but it was something that I kind of still weigh in and that's in the back of my mind of always staying, you know, being on top of that. Yeah. So essentially it's like, okay, you are partners with these people and your peers and you've been working together. And now all of a sudden you've got that kind of what, what can be awkward transition of, okay, we're colleagues, but now I'm your boss. Is that yeah. kind of what you're talking about? Like the, the, that challenge of, okay, how do you maintain a good relationship, but also like lead them and hold them accountable for their job? I think it goes across the board, but it's mainly just that relationship of, you know, being a good manager because I've experienced for myself uh, and not at the company I'm at, but, you know, at previous roles that I've been in, I've experienced bad uh, managers, uh, toxic, mm-hmm. you know, so and not that I'm that way, but always being just very self-aware and um, just wanting to be sure that there's line of, lines of communication. There's a place where they know it's, you know, that they feel safe coming to me. So having that relationship, you know, how that, what that looks like coming from being, you know, a peer to being a manager. I mean, you know, it's not like you have one person where what I had like years ago, you know, it was just one other person, but now it's six and then we're mm-hmm. not all in the same space. So what does that look like? How can I be effective? You know, how can I make sure that I build this relationship, just not for me and them, but for, for the team itself, for being cohesive? So I would definitely say that. Yeah. So what's one of the things that has worked well for you or tips that you would have for others who also work in different you know, regions and spaces and trying to stay connected and work as a team? Definitely having um, regular like one-on-one or check-ins. So, you know, I would have, I offered after a while when once we've kind of built that foundation, you know, starting out, you know, after a few months, I asked, you know, like, what people would you prefer, like one week or every two weeks? But that's the maximum that I'll go that we won't see each other, especially mm-hmm. for the virtual folks. So, um, you know, so every week, so either weekly or biweekly, and that's the most. And then we have our unit meetings as well, like twice a week. So that's kind of what I do. I always try to um, and also include them in the process when we're, you know, like once a month, I will have one of them to host 
um, to co-host our unit meeting, bringing, you know, whatever tips and, you know, and, and, and ideas, you know, to the fore and sharing it with the team, you know, so because it's so many, so much information that's out there. Right. And um, and sometimes we're not all all the time aware of it. So, you know, I just tell them, you know, just be prepared. You know, you're going to be taking over, you know, uh, this meeting, co-hosting with me. You know, I'll just do the spiel at the beginning, but you're going to take it away. And um, I would say that they did such a great job. And, you know, I could see the energy that's there, the good energy uh, of being able to, and not only that, but being able to learn because it's fun, but we're learning as well. And we're learning together. So, um, and, and knowing that your, you know, your, your voice is being heard and, you know, adding that value. So that was, that's something that I definitely do is, is being sure that I reconnect um, every once a week or every, or twice a week, depending on um, the relationship and letting them know that I'm available. And that we also have a, a space. So we use um, WebEx and we have a space for our team. So, you know, you could just questions if you have questions for the entire team or you know we just want to put little funny gifts or quips in there about something you know that's our mm-hmm. space and that's nice. the way that we stay stay connected love it awesome well let's talk a little bit about when i you know when i ask people about scheduling the call for the interviews of the podcast i ask people about what topics they'd like to discuss and there's a couple that you mentioned, and the first one I want to want to talk about briefly is advocating to leadership for administrative professionals. So, how have you in your career navigated? You know, whether I'm, you know, maybe give us an example of how you've had to advocate to the leadership team and the executive team on behalf of of yourself and other administrative professionals. Maybe it's you know getting. Uh, professional development budgets, maybe it's restructuring the org a little bit to benefit the admins. Um, what, what did you mean by, and, and why did you select that topic? What, what would you like to share? <laughs> Absolutely. So um, I'm, I remember uh, this was when I was working, working in the public sector um, at the public housing authority. Um, we, you know, as a, as how we were called housing clerks back then. And we were you know, assisting in the offices, um, in the, you know, in the communities. And we did a lot of work. You know, we were like actually doing like assistance. Some of us were actually doing managerial work, but was, was not receiving the pay. So it came a point where some of us, we got together, or I think it was maybe all of us. It, was, it wasn't so big, but, you know, we all came together and we kind of were kind of griping and talking about it. And I'm a person, I don't, I give myself two weeks to kind of mull over something and then I'm either have to let it go or, <laughs> or I need to have some type of action. Mm-hmm. So um, for whatever period of time back then, you know, we talked about it. Was like, let's, let's do something about this. So, you know, we sent a letter to or requested a meeting with our uh, personnel person there, director there, HR director. I said personal because that was a title back then, personnel, but it was HR. And, um, you know, I spoke with him and was sharing with him, you know, well, this is what we would like to do and all the, you know, and all good stuff and kind of like passed it over, you know, like this is, you're not really, you know, we don't, we're not, you know, okay. We, you, you got heard, you know, but that's it. So then we moved on to the executive um, director at that time. And he, you know, he, 
I don't think he got the letter actually, but when we got the response was kind of like dismissive and I didn't like it. And I was, I could, I literally remember myself going, walking to the, to the office, getting our job description, going back up and I hit that typewriter then. It was those old IBM typewriters (laughs) back then that turned like typewriter computers. And I wrote a letter and I had every one of the other clerks to read it. And then we all signed it. And in that, I used actually the values, the core values of the organization to kind of remind them, well, this is what you said you stand for, but this is not what we're feeling. Mm. This is not what's being expressed. And we got our meeting with the executive director. (laughs) We, We got our meeting after that, yes. And with that, you know, he changed it. He changed our job titles were changed and we got increases based on that because we were actually doing managerial type work. We were, you know, submitting. I mean, it was assistant work we were doing. Yes, but it was assistant and managerial. So a lot of things that we were kind of thrown into, you know, whether or not there were some of the, the managers were absent or not, you know, but we were doing it and they were depending on us to do it. So if that's the case, we were fine with it, but we just wanted the pay to match and the title yeah. to change. So that's one of the things with advocating, you know, I was a Goliath, David and Goliath type thing, I guess. But for me, you know, I'm, I'm like, no, you know, you have to treat folks well, you know, we come in, we do what we have to do. We make everyone look good. Well, you know, then see us then. We're not asking for a lot, but see us. Right. So definitely that was um that was one instance of of go advocating to leadership about the roles that what we did. So we did a whole desk audit thing, had to complete all that paperwork, you know, to submit so that they can go ahead and, and reframe our job description. Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so it sounds like one of the key parts you mentioned about that for those listening who are dealing with the same issues and how to present that business case to their leadership team. One of the key parts is you, you basically gave them a taste of their own medicine in a way when you said, you know, you aligned aligned the request and the letter and the advocating with the organization's goals and wish with the organization's uh, mission. And so it's hard to, I think there's two things that are really hard for executives to ignore. And one is when you kind of check them on <laughs> what they, <laughs> what they, what they preach, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then the second thing would be like data, you know, yeah. and showing them like, okay. And I think you mentioned an audit or something too, like the, there's the desk audit. Yeah. That yeah, they call the it HR. Yeah. To see what we do. Yes, absolutely. Right. So anyway, I think, uh, I think that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that story. Definitely an encouragement to those listening who are wrestling with similar things. And um, yeah, just uh, know that it can happen and it it can, you can uh, cause change in many cases. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, never, I mean, you'll never, I mean, if they could have said no, they could have, you know, said, no, we were not going to do it. And then we would have, decisions to make of our own, whether as a group to say that we were no longer going to do anything above and beyond our job description. You know, um, I think today they may call it quiet quitting, but back mm-hmm. then it was just doing the bare minimum. Not, well, I won't say the bare minimum, but doing what, you know, what you're been hired to do, but we stretch so much 
you know, so it was only fair. And they could have said no, or we could have individually decided that we would have moved on, you right. know, to another company or something. But it's definitely worth to try, you yeah. know, absolutely try. Yeah. Awesome, Nicole. Well, uh, to kind of wrap things up, the last the last topic that you mentioned that you would like to chat about is uh, I love this one, by the way, it's extending grace at work. So tell us a little bit about maybe a story or experience where you've been extended grace to (laughs) um, (laughs) or or when you've had to extend grace at other at work and what, what, a little bit more about what you mean by that. Um, so extending grace at work is something that um, I think I can. So I take it from a place of being empathetic mm-hmm. of having that experience of when I didn't have folks extending grace to me, especially when I was younger, starting out in the workforce, um, you know, there was no one that was there to uh, initially Give me that understanding of these are the things that you do. This is our expectation. You, you know, that, that type of thing was more or less like you come in, you know, a sink or swim type thing. And I found that it, even in other jobs as I kind of continued in my career. And I'm not going to put the whole onus on one person, but I felt a little bit timid going into some of the roles. So not having that confidence and everything. So having that grace to know that when someone comes in new, being able to to lay out, well, you know, lay out something for them, like onboarding. I'll just use that as an example to onboard them and not just for like a month, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> two weeks, but something that may be like three months or it could be six months, you know, where you check in with this person in the first maybe week or every week for the first few months or something. And it kind of extends out as they continue to build and grow in their role. So, Extending grace for me and coming from that space is what I feel that I have to give to others, um, especially those, um, whether on my team or not, it doesn't matter to me. I always give, try to give people the benefit of the doubt, extend them grace that way, because, you know, I don't want anyone to make any assumptions about what's going on with me or if something is wrong or if I did something wrong, you know, you kind of want to drop the hammer, but to allow someone the opportunity to be able to express well, to explain, well, this occurred, or it could be, you know, something, it happens, you know, life happens. We all make mistakes. And to allow someone a safe space to be able to say that I made a mistake, to extend them the grace for that, uh, because there are not a lot of places, well, I won't say that in my experience, I would say, um, I didn't have that all the time. I always felt like I had to be 100% whether I know what I was doing or not. I know so folks say fake it till you make it and that works at some points and in some points it, it doesn't. So, you know, being able to know that it's okay to, to, to make a mistake. How can we learn from it and not be afraid of uh, the person coming back and kind of belaboring the point, you know, like maybe like a month later, oh, well, remember you did, you know, that that's not what that is. To me, it's, how do we fix it and how we can move on from here? How can we grow from this? You know, and that's the way that I approach it. So and where I'm at right now, you know, in this new role where I'm at, and even before the new role at this company, I always told uh, that some of the folks that I work with, it's like Christmas for me. I've never, 
been in a company where, you know, that the folks are so understanding, you know, the team is great locally, nationally. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> all this grace is being extended to, you know, cause I always go in trying to, because I was so trained that way initially, you know, like you have to know, you have to know, you have to know. And it's like, how will I know? I'm just starting here. I don't know everything, but the expectation was so unrealistic. But coming into this company that I'm in right now, I'll say that they extended so much grace that I was even hard on my own self. If I made a mistake, it almost felt like I had to remind myself, no, it's okay. Take a breath. You know, as someone told me uh, there that I work with, you know, no one has died. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's nothing like that. It's not that serious. It can be fixed. You know, so extending that grace, you know, that I I felt that going in there uh, and experience it all the time. So being able to remind folks to extend grace to yourself and to extend grace to others. So that's that's what I meant by that, because I just love the fact that you're able to be in a space and know that it's OK. I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. And we're just a bunch of messy people <laughs> in the world. Mm-hmm but we're going to get through this together because we're going to give each other grace. Hmm. Wow. That's great, Nicole. Thank you so much for sharing. I don't really know what to say. I'm speechless. I think it's just a great way to end this episode. That's, I mean, you just nailed it on the head and I'm really excited to share this uh, conversation with the world. And um, I really hope that we can stay in touch and absolutely. Uh, I'm hopefully get to do an event in Atlanta soon. Um, you know, we're still working on logistics and everything, but uh, yeah. definitely have to uh, say hi and, and meet up if that happens. Oh, absolutely. I would absolutely be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> Me and a colleague were trying to get to um, your event. Is it in Orlando or Miami? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Florida. Orlando. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, she was like, do you want to go? And um, And I said, Sure, of course. You know, I have to get back to see what did you find out? Where we are we able to go? And and I guess it also depends on what's going on in our business as well, too. Right. Uh, so so you know, she works in another another state, another office, but we're on the same um, team. So you know, just to to know, but yeah, we're excited because I've shared your your podcast with 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 my team as well as a few other uh, managerial um, managers. You know administrative yeah. operation managers as well. So, and, um, and we would love to have you as well, you know, be on our uh, podcast. So yeah. just throwing that out there. Hey, I'm, I'm all, all ears and, uh, you know how to get a hold of me. So let me know yes. and we'll, we'll make something happen. Um, again, uh, for those listening, you can check out the show notes at leaderassistant.com slash two zero six. And Nicole, if it's all right, I'll put your LinkedIn URL there so people can reach out and say hi. Absolutely. Love it. Love awesome. it. Great. Well, Nicole, thanks again. Hope you have a great one and I appreciate you being on the show. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Please review on Apple Podcasts. GoBullows.com